Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Learn, connect, share. Join us every Friday at 11 o'clock to learn all those confusing issues around healthcare, Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid. We'll help you find the answers, help you stay in compliance. Join us Friday at 11 o'clock. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning. This is Doug Field, the CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, joined by my co-host, uh, Brent Macy, Managing Director, and Jonathan Field, Managing Editor, Editor, and welcome to this week's edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Uh, we've got a good show lined up for us today, a lot of activity uh, and research swelling around uh, HSAs and uh, not only the penetration, but, you know, the uh, adoption, some interesting uh state rules passing uh, around HSAs that we'll talk about. Uh, then we've got a uh, David Blanchard, the CEO of Benefit Finder, a uh, uh, company that helps really individuals find the right, you know, health plans. And uh, following that is uh, William Short with Ameriflex, one of the leaders and uh, uh, TPAs in the business. Uh, uh, been around a long time, doing a great job. And uh, then we'll close talking about that ever-popular uh, defined contribution and private exchange market growth. So, anyway, Brent, Jonathan, good morning, guys. Good morning to you, Doug. How are you? We're good, thanks. Got the uh, a whole new studio you forgot to mention, huh? Yeah, we're in our producer's brand new studio. <laughs> nice, nice digs here. Yeah, it sure is. And I, you know, going on what you said, a lot of a lot of research has come out, you know, over the past week. And Jonathan did a great job of pulling this all together. So a lot of a lot of good data points right here in front of us that we're going to discuss. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, let's start. You know, AHIP came out with their uh, census survey showing uh, continued growth of, growth of HSA enrollment. I don't think that was surprising. We've had other surveys come out saying the same thing. I mean, their current uh, survey is pointing to 17.4 million Americans are covered by health savings, uh, health savings eligible insurance plan. I think that's a key word, you know, the eligible uh, insurance plan. And, uh so I think it continues to show the adoption of, you know, where HSAs are going and, you know, working for people. Uh, it's interesting the gender distribution of people covered by uh, HSAs, high deductible plans, as of January 2014 was pretty evenly split, 50% male and 50% female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, very, very interesting. I think, you know, the whole HSA adoption, adoption rates have obviously have been the plans that we've always heard about year over year that were increasing and and more what they were really saying was the cdhp plans were the ones increasing year over year and all the other traditional um options were really staying flat so this you know this news is very good news but really not unexpected news in a lot of ways right yeah no not unexpected at all i think you know um it's interesting when you look at the geography because uh uh, the states with the highest level of HSA and high deductible plan enrollments was Illinois, Texas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and, and uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, the home of, you know, one of the homes of, you know, consumerism and healthcare is up in Minnesota. You, you know, uh, Pen- Pennsylvania is right in the middle of the Rust Belt, so it's kind of interesting, that, you know, where they are. I think that shows that. You know, HSAs are penetrating, you know, across the country. Yep, sure is. And, I, and you got a, you have a quote here from Karen, Karen Ignati, who is the president and CEO there at, um, at AHIP. And, and what she's really saying is HSA plans provide important tools to support consumers and their families in their health care decision and, and to help them save for future medical expenses. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of moving, moving and shaking in the, the HSA world, you know, from a, 
how do you educate the market on on their options with HSAs, and and how do you help them save for those medical expenses? But well, really, I think that's a big. Sorry to interrupt you, Brent. I mean, I think it's a, that's a big, big deal. And, you know, Allegis came out. It's a nice segue into an Allegis survey that just came out. Uh, and we talk about it and others in the industry talk about it, the, 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 the importance of communications and ed- education. Because they did a survey recently showing that a, a high, high percent of consumers really don't understand their HSAs. Right. And, and really don't understand how it's a saving vehicle and not just a health spending account. Yep, and and that's that's one of the things that you know we as the market need to, to continue to push to really educate the market on these on these health savings accounts. You know, again, going back to kind of Karen's quote is is what you're seeing is that consumerism isn't about an HSA with a high deductible, and they're really saying that you know, and this is as a tool to to help people save for future medical expenses, but also make them make the right choice around their health care benefit right. spends and putting that personal responsibility. So now you're seeing the de facto health plan group out there touting health savings accounts and, and the future growth of them as one of the big drivers to personal responsibility and to really helping somebody make the right choices around their health care benefits and then you know, save for medical expenses down the road. And uh, consumer empowerment. I mean, just, you know, you're empowering that consumer to make the choices for his or her family. Yeah. And then in the Allegis study, going, you know, going back to that, that they released, I think they released it uh, earlier this week or or later last week. We do have it up on our website, and I'm sure it's up on um, the Allegis Technologies website as well. But they've got a lot of you know, a lot of data points in here that says nearly 70% of consumers indicated that they would ideally like a wider array of, of plan options than is currently offered by their employer. So you see, you know, you still see that em- employee consumers want options, more options, but the, but I think from looking at the AHIP study, they are looking at more options, but they are moving towards the HSA with the high deductibles in the majority of instances, would you would you draw yeah, that conclusion? Yeah, I, I absolutely would, would draw that conclusion. Uh, you know, the uh, another survey that came out in conjunction with AHIP was uh, uh, the ABA HSA Council mm-hmm. uh, joint survey, talking really about uh, HSAs and how they provide financial flexibility for consumers. You know, and uh, you know some of the key findings from that survey is that more than half, 55% of all HSA received personal contributions during 2012. 44% of the accounts received employer contributions. So mm-hmm. you've got, you know, almost half employers contributing to that HSA, and the individuals contributing to it. And of these accounts, the average personal contribution was over $2,300. Uh, and the average contribution from employers was over eleven hundred dollars. Right. And we had always talked early on is is the need for that employer. If you're an employer out there listening, the need to s- seed that HSA account with something. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to fully fund it. We we have heard instances where companies have have been, you know, willing to fully fund these accounts um, for the employee the employee consumer, but. You know, in some instances, if that's not possible, at least funding it with with some some type of seed money to really show your employee consumer, um, you know, a first step and how they, you know, one now there's dollars in here for you to go spend on qualified medical expenses, but you can 
add to this account, and and it's tax deductible as well. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a couple key things around that, Brent. I think that uh, yes, you you get you jumpstart the participation by employees, right. but probably the equally important part of employer contribution is. And remember, this is about AHIP survey. AHIP survey is talking about 17.4 million eligible insurance plans, insurance plans that are compatible with an HSA. Right. That doesn't mean everyone has their HSA right now. Mm-hmm. So if an employer is contributing, you're going to incent more people to make sure they have that HSA card, they have that HSA account. And that's mm-hmm. very important. Right. And, well, the, and going back, you know, we're bouncing between some studies here, but you go back to the Allegis Technologies study. And it says, you know, 47% of the, the people polled here want to be able to choose their HSA bank versus having their employer choose it for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you, you're, you're hovering right there around that 50% mark where 41% want their HSA managed by the same bank that manages their, their personal accounts. Which makes sense. Right. So, they, you know, you're kind of getting it all in, in one spot. Um, which does does make sense. But part of the communication and education effort that uh, Allegis and others uh, point out to uh, that are leading this marketplace is that that's communication education. Is that here's your full here's your HSA and high deductible plan. Now, you know, make sure you choose that right card provider. You mm-hmm. know, if, if a company's giving them the choice to choose whoever or whatever. So, I mean, that that's. That's a big part of the first step communication education. When you're enrolling, get that, get your card. You know, at the same time you become enrolled in that high deductible plan. What are some other, in your opinion, Doug? What are some other uh, ways that the education can improve around health savings accounts? You know, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to be really simplistic on the first thing. The first thing is is everyone. In the chain, from the employers and the team and employers to broker, advisor, consultants working with them, the TPAs working with them, the health plan working with them, you know, the other sleep providers, the HSA, you know, provider, all understanding that that's central to you know the right participation, a education and communication effort, and then it can go to you know a lot of the HSA players in this space are are you know doing an excellent job in trying to create that HSA portal. That that when so when somebody gets in there, you know that's an educational tool in its own right, and that's helping them become a better educated, you know, consumer of of healthcare. Um, I think exchanges are going to help that brand. I think mm-hmm. exchanges because it, I mean, there's the you know the emergence of the private exchange market. There's an environment that in one place is going to have you know all the choices there that, that consumer needs to make, including the card. And, the, and or choices of cards that they that they can choose from to match up with their high deductible plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very interesting. I think you know the the HSA space is exploding. We've known that for a while. One of the the last studies that you know not really studies, it's more of an announcement, and um, just want to make everybody aware of it. American Health Value actually partnered with the Idaho Independent Bank to provide premier. The Premier Idaho MSA program, um, and you can probably you can find this this information on IdahoMSA.com. But what it looks like is the Idaho Medical Savings Account is a program that was enacted by the state legislator that allows 
The people of Idaho have vehicle to significantly reduce their state taxable income while saving money on both their current and future health care expenses. And what this is the, the interesting part, and we need to dig into this a little bit more, but annual contribution limits are based on tax filing statuses. So single tax filers can contribute up to $10,000 to this account, and joint tax filers may contribute up to $20,000. Right. And so that's a big, you know, that's a big jump from what the IRS um, contribution limits are. I need to probably better understand the regulations here, but a very interesting announcement um, coming out of out of Idaho. The biggest point, uh, the contribution very important, and the, and the fact that it's being introduced as a tax-saving vehicle and can be a health, you know, and then how it can become a health-saving vehicle. But the biggest takeaway from this, and you hope it, get, it gets contagious across states, is that this, and they're calling it an MSA, let's call it a health savings account, right. but an MSA, this MSA does not have to be attached to a high-deductible plan. That is the biggest matter. You do not have to have high-deductible insurance product to get this MSA. Anyone can get this a this MSA account, mm-hmm. and that's very very uh, interesting. And uh, wow, you know we want to spread that news and hope you know other states pay attention to that because I mean that if you're talking about consumerism, let consumerism make let consumers make a choice, let consumers save for their health care expenses, mm-hmm. and so that's that's unbridling any of the controls around. Said hey, go open an MSA account, whether yep. you have a high deductible plan or not, you can open up an MSA account. Very, as you mentioned, let's hope that gets contagious. A very good, you know, well done by by the two here, American Health Value and the Idaho Independent Bank. Um, we will have uh, a promotion coming up for privatehealthcareexchanges.com later on in the segment, so make sure you stay tuned for the whole program to get that promotion to get access to privatehealthcareexchanges.com at a uh, discounted rate. To everybody, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook. A free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com and enter promo code IHCRadio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of Institute of Healthcare Consumers, along with Brent Macy, Managing Director, and welcome, welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Before I introduce our next guest, I, I do want to remind our listening audience that all the surveys and the research and data that we just discussed on the first segment, because I know we put a lot out there, is on our website, theihcc.com. Uh, so you can find all the, you know everything there. Uh, we have joined us today, David Blanchard with uh, Benefinder. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great. Nice to have you with us. You coming to us from Richmond today? That's right, Richmond, Virginia. Okay. How is it up in Richmond? They got hit pretty hard up that, up your way with some storms, I think, yesterday. We were, uh, yeah, we were involved. I would say it was <laughs> fun. It was a fun time. Yeah. Well, good to have you here, David. I think you're doing something very interesting with uh, Benefinder. And why don't you kind of uh, kind of give our audience an overview of Benefinder's niche in this space? Sure, yeah, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Um, so Benefinder, we founded um, late last year as the um, uh, ACA was turning on towards the open enrollment period and built it as a website, um, a call center, and actually a physical retail location for the state of Virginia currently to help people find the right individual and family health plan. It's um, based on a proprietary algorithm that we have developed in-house to um, help estimate a consumer's cost under Plan A versus Plan B versus Plan C um, based on some very basic inputs that they could provide us at an optional level. Uh, We do a subsidy calculation for the individual plans that are sold on the marketplaces and ultimately get um, get the consumer enrolled in the plan after they've felt comfortable with the decision support guidance. So um, we're, we're, we are assisting with individuals that are currently uninsured or individually insured, but also working with a lot of employers now who are considering a defined contribution mentality um, for their population, be they under 50 employees or even over 50 if they're um, inclined to pay the penalty and, and move on with that different um, financial strategy. So uh, with employers, defined contribution, you know, attached to maybe an individual uh, individual product? Is that what you're... That's the mentality. Yeah. I think um, yeah. the discussion in the smaller, um, mm-hmm. side, probably under 30 life um, cases are, say, are where the benefit manager is also the CFO, is also, you know, the yeah. CEO sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. They're wearing too many hats and their benefit program has just gotten outrageously complicated with the new individual uh, rate bands in the group market and um, they've decided in many cases to give the employees even just a taxable increase to their salary to go out and and buy a policy on their own um, to reduce headache and to really improve choice that they give their give that give their employees David, can you serve a national audience? I mean, if I'm a consumer in Boise or consumer in uh, Macon, Georgia, if you, you can, you know, if, if we come to your website, you can, you can work for people across the country. Yeah, we're doing that in a partnership model, model right now. Okay. But um, as uh, as of January 2015, we'll be working in all 50 states in a um, in a total in-house way. We founded in Virginia and wanted to essentially test the market in Virginia and um, have found that to be very successful and are excited to be expanding right now. So we'll be illustrating national plans um, and rates in a more direct way on the Benefinder.com website, um, probably starting in October as soon as we get the, um, the new rates released, which is a bit of a mystery still in the industry. Correct. Now, now, now David, this is uh, free 
for consumers, and your business model comes from the health plans. Is that is exactly? That? Yeah, we are um, established as a as a web broker, okay. so we are uh, an agent in that regard, and are simply getting the baked in commissions from each individual policy that that come from the health insurer. Um, so it's a no, there's no incremental cost to the end consumer nor mm-hmm. to the employer who wishes to use us at a consultative level um, for that kind of defined contribution strategy. And I think that's a that's a big um, misunderstanding possibly in the marketplace is that just as you might hire a tax preparer to do your taxes, mm-hmm. you would assume you'd be paying a broker um, an incremental cost to do your healthcare consulting, and, and that's that's different in our industry. Yep. Now, David, this is Brent. When you, um, what's the difference between what you all are doing and and the federal healthcare.gov website? <laughs> well, right, right now we're actually illustrating both on and off exchange products. So that's a, a big differentiator in that we're trying to illustrate the entire market rather than just a, um, a subset of availability. Um, the other biggest element is decision support. Um, mm-hmm. Healthcare.gov and the call centers are typically not um, even legally allowed to give guidance on which plan might be better for somebody's situation. They can only help you with the mechanical questions of enrolling and getting your passwords and and making sure you're clicking on the right buttons. Um, So we we really have found that people come to us after, oftentimes after trying Mm healthcare.gov or even a a major carrier's um, direct call center or, or website. And uh, are, are really pleased with how we can uh, point them in the right direction in an efficient way and a friendly and free environment. Now, it, now, David, when it comes to matching people up with maybe high deductible plans and uh, and an HSA, does your decision support include you know the recommendation, the advice on HSA providers to match up with high deductible plans? Yeah, we do have um, a repertoire of HSA vendor providers, mm-hmm. and um, and that's something that we've been working on, and the new website iteration will be even more apparent um, of sort of, okay, you've now elected a uh, an HSA-qualified plan. Would you like to go ahead and also enroll in an actual HSA bank account? Here's mm-hmm. some options, and we can go from there. But the, the algorithm itself is interesting in that it does point to a high-deductible plan in many cases. Uh, because it's asking, what are your typical use use patterns or mm-hmm. your uh, estimated use patterns for your medical needs? And obviously, if you're not using healthcare very often, um, that lower cost HSA um, tax vehicle is a is a huge advantage and, and is illustrated in that way on the uh, in the calculations. David, do you see yourself partnering with some of the emerging private exchanges in this market, particularly those that around uh, the individual? Uh, products? Yeah, we've, we've really um, begun conversations with a number of private exchange providers mm-hmm. across the country um, and are excited with where some of those discussions are going. I think a lot of the um, private exchange um, models were certainly designed from the, um, from the group standpoint, but having an individual uh, module is, is really important, and, um, and we're excited to be sort of aiming in that direction now as a potential white label or um, or direct partner with um, some of these groups. How, how about the benefit broker that's in place working with uh, the small employer? How do you how do you fit with them, or how does that all work? Yeah, that's actually been a really big pipeline for us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I came from a benefits broker world in the group model. Yes, yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, seven or ten years there, and um, and my old firm and all of my old competing firms were actually um, sending us leads almost every day because they're either not set up for uh, an individual counseling type of um, environment, or they're simply not able to do it financially um, in a business planning way. So. We've um, worked out commission splits and referral agreements and things like that with with referring agencies in order to um, serve their needs or serve the needs of their individual consumer clients without them having to invest in the infrastructure of of the call center and the web support and things like that. Excellent. Yeah, to our audience out there, just so everybody knows, David was actually recognized as the most innovative broker partner um, in our annual outlook issue. So, David, congratulations on on that. Um, Thank you. Going back to kind of your business model, once once an individual um, has selected a plan, how do you help them enroll? You touched on it a little bit. Can you go a little little further on how you help them enroll? Yeah, we actually take a really active um active role in that process, um, which is different than a lot of places. The the fact that we are a federal web broker allows us to have access to a direct enrollment feature, which allows us to enroll either with an, with an individual or on an individual's behalf, sort of through a broker backdoor portal through healthcare.gov. So if it's, a, if it's an on-exchange sale, especially with healthcare.gov um, states, uh, we're we're able to take some information from the from the client, essentially either over the phone or do a data collection um, in a web form, and they don't ever have to touch healthcare.gov. They don't ever have to touch the carrier website. Um, we can do that directly for them through our our staff and our our database model. So mm-hmm. that's that's a unique uh, element to our platform in that we don't have to worry about someone being redirected from our website to a different enrollment website and losing either their product or their sanity in the, uh, in the process. <laughs> probably both, right? <laughs> right, probably both. So when you, now on the, on the platforms, obviously you've got to have the carriers on there, uh, the health plans. Who, who do you represent and, uh, and what states do you, do you represent? Right. As, um, as I mentioned, we're, um, we're just selling in Virginia online right now. Um, but we're licensed in just about every state. And the only states that we're not licensed in are simply just little fun paperwork delays with their bureaus. Right. <laughs> so we're almost done in all 50 states. And we represent, we're um, appointed with every carrier in the state of Virginia, and we'll be doing the same practice across the country um, in order to be able to appropriately illustrate all the insurance companies that are available, um, really to, with the goal of providing essentially what we've been calling sort of a universal exchange where it's it's a public exchange but it's also all-encompassing um so that you're comparing every plan and and that unfortunately leads to complete um client overwhelmed results so the the um the number of plans that are illustrated are so great that we use that algorithm um significantly to reduce the number of top-ranked plans for the consumer, so they're, they're not just completely baffled. And that, that really helps with the communication uh, and not as much education having to go in because you're, you're narrowing down a lot of choices based on what you've already provided them, correct, or what they've already gone through on the exactly. platform? Exactly. They provide us with enough uh, background information without being intrusive um, as to what type of insurance they typically will need. 
And so we're able to rank the plans um, sort of in their best interest right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And they can al always adjust that um, after the results come out and, um, and pick from a different slate of plans if they need to make some adjustments to that. So that's important. David, we got about a minute left on the program, and want to you know let you leave the audience with one takeaway, and then um, let them know how they can find you if they're interested in inquiring about your services. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure being with you. I, the the biggest takeaway I'd say is um, use a broker, or an agent, or consultant whenever possible. Basically, in this market size, we're free, and don't uh, don't pay the carrier extra margin for baked in <laughs> comp when you can uh, use a partner to direct you. And, and that Benefinder is going to actually estimate your total cost so you can help, um, uh, you can make the right decision based on a full picture, not just premiums, and then a, a gut call, if you will, on the plan design itself. So Benefinder.com is the easiest way to find us. Our phone numbers, emails, and other contact information are there. So that's where we'd, we'd start with folks. All right, David, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Have a great weekend up there. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thanks. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's Breaking News industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, annual publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook. A free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, uh, along with my co-host, Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. We have uh, on the line today uh, one of the leaders in the in this space. Is, as far, from an administration point of view, we have uh, William Short, President and CEO of Mariflex, and William is also uh, now the current president of one of the leading administrator associations in the business, ECFC. William, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Hey, good to have you with us. You coming to us from Texas today? Uh, I am. I'm coming down here from uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, 
Good to have you, William. Uh, nice to talk to you, and thanks for spending the time. Give our audience uh, a little bit of background on Ameriflex, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about where you see this market going. Sure thing. Um, so we're a, uh, I would say we're a technology uh, payment company with a focus in consumer-driven healthcare payments. Uh, we have clients in all 50 states, including Guam and Puerto Rico, and actually uh, some clients up in Canada now. And we touch about um, 30,000 plus employers across the country and deliver a litany of uh, individual uh, participant solutions for the CDHP market, as well as payroll compliance and uh, premium billing collection services such as COBRA and uh, special billing options, as well as our compliance suite of products. William, you know, you guys have seen um, a lot of growth over the, the, the past few years, and, and kind of where have you seen the growth in your business, and kind of what do you attribute a lot of the growth to? Uh, sure thing. So our growth has been focused on kind of where we sit in the market. Uh, we focus uh, a tremendous amount of energy and time on the mid to small market. So a, the average employer size here at Ameriflex is going to be about 120 full-time employees. And so our growth has come from that segment. And I, I think the growth has been attributed to a couple of main things. One, our service model. Two, um, our dedication to compliance. And three, our overall infrastructure. Uh, we have our headquarters here down in Dallas, Texas, um, a new building that we moved into last August. But we also have a large operations center on the East Coast, which gives us uh, full redundancy and mirror image um, operation capacity, which I think is very critical for this space as this industry has evolved over the last decade. And I think with those kind of combinations uh, being put to play, we have um, you know, these mid-sized small employers who need the, the guidance. And so our service model with a dedicated account executive team for each client goes a long way. Um, you know, A lot of these mid-sized employers do not have um, robust HR departments, mm-hmm. do not have access to ERISA attorneys, do not have access to the latest and greatest on what's going on in the world of compliance, in the world of regulation, what's coming out of Washington this week or what's coming out of their state capitals next week. Mm-hmm. And I think those things combined have really been the uh, factors that have led to uh, pretty tremendous growth over the last number of years. Now, when you look at, when you look at um, you know, some of the, the things that are, are facing you know, the industry from a challenging standpoint, what, what are some of the challenges that you guys see there at Ameriflex, and how are you guys helping your employer clients you know, get past those challenges? That's a great question, and uh, probably depending on the type of day, you'd probably get five different right. answers from me. But I think the universal challenge for everybody in this market is, um, you know, what flavor of the week is coming out of the government? Uh, may that be state? Uh, may that be on the federal level? Um, I mean, we've had tremendous changes over the last mm-hmm. couple of years just from, uh, you know, APACA and, and the regulations that have come with it. Um, and that's tremendous. Um, I mean, there's whatever it is, 100 pages of regulations for every page of that law, and it's a tremendous burden uh, for anyone in this space, not to mention employers, to have to, to deal with, because ultimately the employers, what, why did they offer benefits before uh, a packet? They offered benefits to attract and retain the best talent, and they focus on core competencies that aren't necessarily offering those benefits. It's you know, how do I make a better widget to, you know, to keep the doors open? And so that is 
tremendous challenges um, to, that face the market today. Um, and compiled with, in terms of how managed care grew out of the 80s and into where we are today in terms of the delivery system. And so you have, you know, these different stakeholders that are not necessarily aligned with a central theme of, gosh, why did my employer offer benefits to begin with? And we can go to the history of it being back to World War II. But the reality is they offered benefits to attract and retain. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, if that is a true statement, then how do you deal with the outside forces that is the delivery system compiled with the forces that are coming down that make and interpret and write the laws? Um, but with all that said, I think that there is tremendous opportunity to, you know, take those different stakeholders and align them to deliver a better uh, solution that is manageable and uh, something that's appreciated by everybody. Yeah. Uh, William, how do you see uh, your involvement with uh, the emerging uh, defined contribution private exchange market? What are you, what are you, what are you guys doing to work with with those players in that space? So um, we track about, I think it's 125, 126 different companies out in the market Mm -hmm. that have some sort of exchange product. Mm -hmm. Um, And our approach has been um, probably more of a a fast follower. And I say that because we currently are connected um, with pretty much every major player out there from an EDI direct connect uh, situation where we're integrated on different platforms as dictated by our clients or our distribution mm-hmm. channel in terms of trying to get um, a single source solution for enrollment into the different litany of products. So our approach has been um, we don't have a, an exchange product that we manage currently here at Ameriflex. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we'd rather be is more Switzerland and um, you know build the best products we possibly can in our core competency and then tie that into uh, different entities that see value and bring us to the table um, and doing what we do best to kind of a focus standpoint. I think the exchange market and the defined contribution market is, you know, a big part of the conversation and a big part of the future. Um, and we're taking a kind of on the sideline approach to see who is the winner uh, or winners and really with the approach that um, we don't really care who wins because mm-hmm. we want to deliver our core products and be the best at what we do to everyone that is in need of um, our, you know, these, these solutions. Yeah, and, and I think most of us in this space see that uh, if private exchanges do, as uh, a lot of us predict it's going to do, it's really going to drive uh, the fast growth of particularly the HSA you know, spending, spending a saving account which is uh, one of your sweet spots to helping companies administer and manage. So you see good things coming. Now, William, you, you actually, your background is not in insurance or employee benefits. You actually started your career in the banking world. You know, how, does, how has that shaped your perspective? And, you know, if at all, does it impact your overall strategy there at uh, Ameriflex and leading the team? Sure. Actually, a little-known fact, I actually started um, in my dorm room with a wellness disease management system that I designed. And the reason it failed miserably and had to move back in my parents' basement, which I tell you they were happy and not and disappointed at the same time that I moved back home, was I, no one was willing to pay for it. No one had a financial incentive at the time to actually quantify a value for it. And that's how I actually came into the banking world was via the Archer MSA. Uh, for those playing at home, that was the precursor to the health savings account. 
and in terms of coming across that and then figuring how to actually um, to deliver solutions that were meaningful for people, I think it gave myself and my team a unique perspective on actually how to industrialize these processes. Uh, banks are highly regulated. Um, you expect that your, you know, your bank card, your prepaid card, your credit card, your money flow works. Not sometimes. Works every single time, which is kind of unique in in this consumer-driven account space because the account should not work at a liquor store. Um, and there are nuances, so you kind of have this combination of two worlds that up to this point have kind of been you know not really playing together. Um, and I think that's where CDHP was really brought two different worlds together. But to, you know, really to answer your question, I think it it's been phenomenally valuable. Uh, we approached to building um, different platforms or solutions in terms of claims processing, for example, we take approach that is probably different than most people and have access to different experiences and different systems uh, that allow for us to build a solution that's more industrial strength. And so it's a, that thought process of, yeah, we do have to have audits, you know, uh, operational audits, financial audits. We do have to have redundant centers. We do have to have this stuff that has been really foreign to really this cottage industry that is trying as hard as it can to move up to more of an industrial solution. Now, William, when when you kind of look at the marketplace out there, and, and I know you, you've joined ECFC and leading that as well, great group, um, have been to their shows, great shows that they put on as well and leading – leading the industry there um where do you see the opportunities in the industry and also if if i'm an employer out there what what should i be doing right now what would you recommend me as the employer what should i be looking at what should i be you know having my team focus on um from from your your perspective i think you know take the first part of that where are the opportunities in this industry well this where the market is going, in my opinion, is actually a road that's been traveled in other countries. And if we go south of the border to Mexico, they have a two-tiered system. They have their public system, and they have their private system. And the private system is phenomenal. It's fantastic. In fact, uh, you know, the, the terms of medical tourism, I mean, they, uh, you, you'll go down to a private hospital in Mexico City, and they'll have a giant hotel attached to yeah. their complex yeah. for medical tourism, for the private sector, uh, the private solution. And I think we're going there very quickly. Here in Dallas, there are a number of new private hospitals that have sprung up in the last three or four years. Every corner is now having a new urgent care uh, center that's being built that is going to be catering and beginning to cater to that private payer uh, in terms of the consumer being the one that actually releases the cash, which then translates, well, then how are the individuals going to be in a position to pay with cash? And the answer is CDHP. And so as that translates down from where the, the delivery model is going and, you know, two-tiered there, the private tier, and then we're going to have uh, what I think will be more of a utility that will be more of the county hospital VA model that comes out of all this stuff out of Washington and on down to the states. You then have the question, well, who is then going to be part of that second tier? And I think it comes back to the, 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 the absolute truth about why the healthcare world is developed in this country the way it has. And that employers, you know, prior to Alpaca, they didn't have to offer benefits. Why would they offer benefits? Because it was a way for them to attract and retain. And so if that's true, it's true, true, true statement, and I really believe it is, I mean, maybe I'm incredibly biased, I think employers will can begin to focus on how they can deliver on that promise or that deliver on that reason for them to have the employee come work for them to, compared to somebody else in the competitive marketplace. And so I see employers focusing on 
wow, why wouldn't I offer an FSA when my employees can benefit on a pre-tax basis? I can benefit on, you know, on saving on taxes. What a great win. Why wouldn't I offer that as a benefit? Why wouldn't I offer the opportunity to couple to whatever the major medical plan looks like with voluntary benefits that's outside of the future Cadillac tax and outside of a PACA? Why wouldn't I offer those things, which are all cash entities that are going to be more desirable for these participants as they say, wait a minute, do I want to go to the county hospital and wait in line for four hours, or do I want to pay up and go see a concierge doc? And so I see employers starting, and we see this in the market we play big in, in the mid and small market, saying, how can I keep it simple? How can I deliver on this so I can attract and retain the best? And it comes back to these litany of products that allow for them to deliver rich benefit plans at an efficient price that delivers on the attract and retain uh, fixture. Well, William, hey, we really appreciate you joining us on today's program and and would love to have you back. Hope you have a great uh, weekend there in Dallas. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHC Radio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Hey, everybody. Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 Super Saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with Brent Macy, my managing director, and Jonathan Field, managing editor. And uh, welcome back to the segment, Healthcare Consumerism Radio, where we want to really uh, kind of continue the discussion we have every week about the, the growth of uh, Private healthcare exchanges and defined contribution, you know, vehicle being used with private exchanges. I mean, if you read, <clears throat> we've all read about the, the latest Sixth Century report that said we had three million, you know, participants come into 2014. Kind of one of the latest predictions from Accenture is saying there'll be nine million uh, in the 2015 plan year uh, this year. Uh, so, you know, this market's going to continue to explode. I think 2015 plan year is a big year for the market to really say what's working, what's not, and where are we going, leading to kind of further explosion in 2016. And, uh, you know, we're doing some interesting things to try to help this market with uh, privatehealthcareexchange.com. And, Brent, um, you know, I want to kind of update our audience with, uh, you know, currently what we're doing and, and actually offering our listeners well, yeah, one of the things that you know we got a lot of people registering for um, 
you know, registering to get subscriptions, either the monthly model or the yearly model, to privatehealthcareexchanges.com, which is plural, so privatehealthcareexchanges.com. We've actually got a promo code for all the radio listeners that are listening to the program today, and that promo code is IHC Radio. IHC Radio, all caps. And if you put that in um, on the homepage there, you actually get discounts to the uh, either the monthly subscription model or the yearly subscription model. And one of the things that you know I would recommend, and Jonathan's going to talk about the, this here in a second, is the monthly model, you can get a discount off that. Right now it's $99, so you would get a discount off of the $99. But the yearly model is currently $499, and you can get a deeper discount off the yearly model. And the reason to go to the yearly model, as Jonathan's going to touch on here, is we we almost do a software update to this database once a month. And so once a month we add new exchanges to this database and so it's not something you come in that stays stagnant it's something that is free flowing every month with new software updates that we're looking to that we add on a monthly basis and what's going to happen along with new exchanges coming in is there is there is a goal to add some other ancillary products in here so what are the ancillary products that exchange exchanges need to be looking at to fill their um their overall product offering. So that's that's going to come in here as well. So that's the reason to to look more towards the year subscription than the monthly subscription. And, Jonathan, I know we just did a software update uh, a couple of weeks ago where we put, what, 10 to 12 new yeah. uh, exchanges in there? Yep. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, we just, um, at the end of June here, we just added another 10 exchanges, um, kind of from all over the market, whether it's the benefit brokerage firms, um, you know, being an official distributor of Bright Choices, whether it's someone purely directed at the health plans, another 10. And at this point, that's probably a conservative estimate for how many we will be adding every month. And that's just because you're getting contacted by people Absolutely. on a daily basis wanting to list their exchange, right? And Absolutely. And we're getting people that are contacting us and... Really, to your point about the yearly membership, the you know, this market is still very, very early. There are many major health insurers, many major HR technology players that have not officially launched their exchange yet. We'll probably be seeing a lot of those, you know, September, October, around, you know, open enrollment this year. Um, earlier this week, we learned that Aetna will be releasing their single-carrier exchange this fall um they have not officially announced that to the marketplace yet but um we did contact them and they confirmed that they will be sending over that information to us later this summer Mm -hmm. um and again to your point that that year-long membership that is discounted if you use ihc radio all caps it's discounted from 499 to 349 so and, and, and Jonathan, how many exchanges do we have right now in the database? Right now we are at um, 157. We'll be adding at least an additional 10 by August. So constantly growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just heard William Short and Ameriflex talk about they track 125. Mm-hmm. So we have a sure. 157. And, got, and, and I think, you know, if you're an employer out there, thinking about exchange, whether you're working with your consultant, advisor, broker, or TPA, you know, 
it's probably worth the investment to come and take a look, see, because yeah, because of the value for your employee population. If you're a broker out there, and you're whether you have an exchange partner like Bright Choice or somebody else, what are all the options that a right. you compete with, or the other options that you might want to consider? Because very very few of you brokers out there are exclusive with mm-hmm. you know with right. the exchange. If you're a TPA and you don't have an exchange. Here's an opportunity to go and see which exchanges can enable you. Right. If you're an exchange yourself, you know who are you competing with? Mm-hmm. Because I, you know this is such a fast-changing market, and and there's a lot of smart people out there that are in the exchange business. But I'm not sure you can keep up with who are all the competitors emerging out there. Right. And 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 that's our role with PrivateHealthCareExchange.com is to kind of be that guide to help people see what are the choices out there we should make, including the evolution of what are the products that can be featured in an exchange that, that uh, Brent talks about. But there's a lot more information there, too. I mean, you know, there's there's regular content published there. There's a blog sure. there. In fact, if you have a blog that you like that feature there, you know, connect with Jonathan because we'd love to feature it there. You know, we publish Healthcare Exchange Solutions on a regular basis, a committed, you know, publication content-wise to really drive this activity. So our goal is really to, you know, help this industry learn, share, and connect around exchanges. Right. You know, that's our mission. And to, the to the point, of, you know, it's – Nobody knows how many are out there, and it's you know we're doing a very you know we might even be missing a couple, but we're doing our best to, to sure grab them all, and they're <laughs> and they're they're popping up all over the place. and And I talk to a lot of solution providers who inquire about the database and say, hey, you know what what is the value for me to come in here and do this? Well, you don't have to go to a search engine like Google and type in you know any private exchange it's all listed here you don't have to go do the legwork it's listed here and jonathan i want you to touch on a little bit of the searchability of it but it's got the key contact information it's Mm -hmm. got their it's got their model right what's their model is it national the single carrier the multi-carrier uh what their distribution partners are Mm -hmm. whether they have an exchange that will uh, power retiree benefits Mm -hmm. um whether they have an individual component to it and, uh, you know, our next update, we've been getting a lot of requests for the actual enrollment numbers. Yep. So the next update is actually going to be uh, tracking that. And anytime an exchange publicly announces or we personally find out, you know, how many companies, how many covered lives are actually being, you know, run through the exchange right now. Uh, we're going to be putting that up in the database. And that's yeah. one of the things that if I'm somebody who's in there trying to understand this market, I can say, hey, these guys are a player. They they have right. people. Through the top they 25, got, right. Yeah, they've got some blood running through running through their exchange, which is which is something you want to know, too. You want to know who are the players out there and who have the real solution. So while there, you know, while there could be, you know, let's say 250 a year from now in this platform sure. in this exchange directory who are the who are the ones that are really getting it done and and you know that's what really what we want to show the the market mm-hmm. and so the from a subscription standpoint to everyone out there who's listening the people who are coming through are the people who are are running these platforms so product development guys who are looking at you know who should i look at um from a product standpoint what's what's out there from a product standpoint all the way through to health plans sure. employers brokers consultants um Absolutely. and then you got the, the voluntary players hey you're voluntary big 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 okay. and we talk about it all the time voluntary was the first real piece of consumerism and voluntary they're saying they're licking their chops saying this right. is a huge distribution model for us so how do we get in the game here and get on these platforms yeah and 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 you know you know 
this is an Oklahoma land grab. This is a Wild West show. I mean, it, 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 this is a wild, wild west. And uh, if we can help be kind of a calm in the middle of this, you know, dust storm, wild, wild west, and a place you can come to and access important information, that's our goal. And if there's things that's not included there that you'd like to see us include, we want to hear from you because we're about mm-hmm. the community participation. And one of the one last thing I don't want to leave the audience with, uh, if you're a solution provider out there that's listening to this, is um, – you know, we actually launched the affiliate membership program, and I'm actually talking with some solution providers that have decided that they want to become an affiliate solution provider with the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And part of that affiliate uh, membership is that we will host your brand up on PrivateHealthCareExchangeSolutions.com if it's applicable. If you want, and there's a lot of people who are trying to get in front of the the people who are, um, you know, developing these exchanges. So that is part of the affiliate membership. So if you're interested in in becoming an affiliate member of the Institute and you think that and you want to align your brand with the healthcare consumerism megatrend, but also align your brand with the private exchange, I'm going to use the term megatrend. It's gigantic. It's sure. moving. It's, it's going really quick. Then um, we have ways that we can really help and, you. Yeah. And, you know, earlier we mentioned the Accenture projection that was big news at AHIP earlier this summer um, and we're actually going to be having their director of private exchange contributing to the next print issue mm-hmm. but what's important to note about the nine million we hear the three million figure that was the update at AHIP and we hear the nine million for the 2015 benefit plan year um, what's important to note about that is that number nine million was based off their previous projection yeah. of one million at this point. Wow. So they were expecting, you know, a ninefold increase over that one million. And now that we're already at three million. Yeah, wait, can it be a ninefold increase off the three million? <laughs> well I mean we'll see. Uh, I mean I think the point is that the market is moving faster than probably even many of the optimists thought. Yeah. You're, you're. I mean the the benefit consultants have been Absolutely, the winners at this point. Mercer has about 300,000 covered lives in Mercer Marketplace. Aon Hewitt has at least double that at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's the wild, wild west, that's for sure. So, everybody who's listening right now, um, use that promo code IHC Radio, all caps, to get the uh, discounts on either the monthly or yearly subscription. We do recommend the yearly just because it's it's going to yeah, get updated. Yep. It could, we could, we could go ninefold you know between now and and next year so uh we appreciate everybody listen ihc radio's promo code there and uh to everybody out there have a great weekend and we will talk to you next friday on healthcare consumerism radio this is america's webradio.com the best in chat radio designed just for you